The Ryan Tuberty Show on RTE Radio 1 with Elevon Merchant Services. Growing your business is easy peasy with us by your side. Good morning all, this is Ryan Tuberty with you. It's Tuesday morning, the 3rd of May. We're in May, isn't that nice? Love May, even though it's feeling a little more like November outside. But it's not cold. Okay, let's find, eke out the positives here. Five past nine nearly, and we are here till 10 o'clock. Great to have your company this Tuesday morning. You can email ryan at rte.ie. You can text if you wish to 51551. And um, we uh, have quite a show for you this morning because... Uh, Home of the Year, one of my all-time favourite programmes, uh, is, um, it's, well, it's finished now, but Amanda Bone, who's one of the great judges on the programme, is joining us. But she's here in her um, capacity as an award-winning architect, really, as well as a, a presenter of Home of the Year, and she has lots of, uh, of, of, of uh, strings to her bow, and we'll talk about all of those things with her live in a few minutes' time. All questions, welcome to 51551. Katie Taylor, of course, talk of the town, talk of the globe. At the weekend, and I was um, obviously I, d- I didn't uh, do the three a.m. raid. I, w- I watched it the the next day and and uh, watched the coverage of it. And obviously everyone's delighted for it. And, and I hope she's okay. I felt when she when when I saw her afterwards, I go, oh, Katie, <laughs> I hope you're okay in the nicest possible way because I've met her so many times, and um, I look forward to seeing her soon. I think that if she's going to re- have a rematch, um, it would it would be wonderful if it happened in Ireland. And um, and she, you know, she's just a, a phenomenon and people love her and with good reason. Um, gosh, when I think about meeting her the last time she was on and we were, of course, you know, knee deep in pandemic and just sitting in the green room, you're having a cup of coffee and talking to her. She's so humble and so easy to talk to. And there's a shyness to her that is that is is very... Um, it's very beautiful, if that's the right word. She she's a very good good person, isn't it? Just no doubt about it. And the GA Stadium and Commercial Director Peter McKenna saying today in the Irish Examiner that the mood music about a Katie Taylor, Amanda Serrano rematch in Croke Park is hugely positive. And while stressing that he's not yet been contacted by either of the fighters promoters, uh, they reckon that the stadium could be available if requested, maybe in August or September. Well, well, that would be well this soon. Would they? Would, they, would you? I, I don't know enough about boxing to know. Would you? Have a rematch this soon. God, that sounds uh, very soon after the excitement of uh, Saturday night. But well done to Katie and to her family who must be just beside themselves with with joy. And uh, that'll be quite a homecoming. There's talk of, you know, I don't know if we do do as much as we used to do it before the open top bus trips home. Yeah, when the Olympians came back, actually, there there was quite a bit of it. I remember as a kid, it was Italian 90. Wasn't that young. Um, Stephen <laughs> yeah I was six you weren't I know I wish I was uh, and then um, what's his name uh, Stephen Roach that was a bonus Stefan Roche uh, he came back to, with the uh, O'Connell Street with the big bus and yeah they were they were kind of I don't know why I think they were felt like more innocent times I don't know if you'd, if you'd still get that crowd out now because I suppose we have so much more available in our hand on the phone there's less mystery maybe less magic in the air that's possibly the case and then um uh, of course, you can talk about uh, what have we got here? Smithfield Boxing Club are uh, doing a, a fundraiser for Ukraine. United, hashtag United for Ukraine in aid of the Red Cross. Uh, they're going to do that on Friday. It comes after um, Olympian Kelly Harrington, 
uh, donated her vest and gloves to Smithfield Boxing Club to help the people in Ukraine. Another superstar, Kelly Harrington, no doubt about that. And they're going to have this event on uh, Friday in the National Stadium and uh, tickets are 10 euro at the door and they'll reserve 50 seats on the night for people newly arrived to Ireland from Ukraine, which is quite a nice gesture. Uh, everyone winning there. So that's, that's good news. Uh, meanwhile, uh, the Met Gala was on um, at the weekend. I had a great time. No, I'm joking, I wasn't there. Uh, but <laughs> what would I wear? I, wouldn't, I, couldn't, I couldn't imagine how you'd stand out at that, at that event because it is, I suppose, it is a um, particular type of event as I watch it from afar. And Kim Kardashian stole the show, you see, because she wore a dress. Those of you who follow this will go, yeah, we know. But those you don't, like I didn't know until I saw it this morning. She wore the very same dress. She went to the auction house that had um, ownership of this dress for now. The dress that Marilyn Monroe wore to sing Happy Birthday, Mr. President, to John F. Kennedy. If you recall that dress, it is like a phenomenal thing. And um, uh, she, so Kim Kardashian went to the, let's see, she went to where it's held. It's held in the home of Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum. Do you remember that program? It used to be on kind of Sunday on RT2, something like that. Jack Ripley. Um... Jack Palance, did he present it? And it was Ripley's Believe It or Not. He was the old actor, yeah. Um, and he ended up in City Slickers. I think he won an Oscar. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm running away with myself here. In 2016, the dress, which contains more than 2,500 hand-stitched crystals, God help us, was sold at auction to Ripley's for $5 million for the dress. And Kim Kardashian, so how can I stand out of this Met, what's it called? Met Gala in New York. Well, of course, wear one of the most iconic and famous dresses of all time, which she did. And um, she stole the show. That's all you need to know. But mind you, Lizzo, who you might know of, um, was uh, going along the red carpet and delighted with herself, wearing a golden hand-embroidered gown by Tom Brown. And, and um, that, that gown took 22,000 hours to make. Now, I don't know if she's taken the mickey out of us all or if it's true, but either way, she then, yeah, she's apparently an accomplished, accomplished flautist. So out came the flute, and <laughs> and here's how it sounded. We're gonna play for us. Full jump for top. Yes. Yeah, kind of like scary children's. Uh, kind of Pied Piper didn't it? it kind of a sinister sounding piece of music uh, meanwhile on another planet Celine Dion is not well and therefore we gave away tickets to her gig here but um, she's not herself at the moment um, what's happening with her well here's her message I'm so sorry that we have to change our tour plans for Europe one more time but all I can say is that I'm doing my very best to get back to the level that I need to be so that I can give a hundred percent of my shows because that's what you deserve. Fair enough. An emotional Celine Dion there telling everyone, sorry, we're on hold, but we'll see you next time. Hopefully she's OK. Um, it was interesting. You know when you're driving along country roads, take me back, and you see out in the middle of a lake somewhere, you see a little island. You got to, Sometimes there's a ruin on it. You think, who lived there? Who would live there? Who'd want to live there? Well, the fact of the matter is that um, sales of Irish islands, according to Ralph Regal this morning, have soared over the past five years as international buyers warm to their isolation, safety, green appeal and value for money 
compared to, say, the Caribbean and Mediterranean hideaway. So one specialist sales website has been has seen the number of its Emerald Isles on offer almost halved due to so-called boutique sales over the years. So they're selling things that they're, uh, the island offerings have been reduced to five, including Rabbit Island, Inishbeg, Shore, West Calf and Mannion's Island. And auctioneers stress that given the, increased, given the increasing interest in environmental protection and green living, islands have never been as attractive to wealthy investors. Among the highest profile sales uh, was the 157-acre Horse Island off West Cork, sold for £5.5 million, uh, Euros, uh, sold via, uh, via video link with the purchaser, a Cypriot investor, never having vi- actually visited the island. Um, and it was among the most developed of the Irish islands on offer. It boasts a um, six-bedroom luxury main house, six guest cottages, as well as its own pier, a helipad, and games house complete with sauna. Sounds wild. Uh, another sale involved Castle Island, again in West Cork, 223-acre island located in Roaring Water Bay, was sold for £1.5 million by its long-time owner. Its new owner is an English businessman who's based in France and wanted the West Cork Island as a future retreat. Good Lord. Last year, the dune-covered Mayo Island of Bartra sold for £1.1 million. And Nick Faldo, the golfer, had hoped to build a golf course on the island, but his dream never came to fruition. Uh, so all these little islands are all being picked up, seems by mostly foreign people. Um, but a sale is a sale is a sale. Little bit of information, Ryan, says Helen. Yes, Helen. Kim wore the original dress for a few minutes on the red carpet and then quickly changed into a replica. Oh, thank you, fashion correspondent. I didn't know that. I saw that dress in the Newbridge Silverware Museum a few years ago. It's a great fashion museum. Funny you should say that. I have a story relating to that right here in front of me. And that says that the guitar that uh, Kurt Cobain, I think I might have mentioned this recently, uh, played uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit in the video is going to be on view at the Newbridge Silverware, uh, Newbridge uh, Silverware, yes, uh, Museum of Style Icons at Newbridge Silverware uh, from Thursday, this Thursday, to Saturday. So it's just three nights, or three days rather. In you go, have a look at that, and you can see Cobain's painting of Michael Jackson. Good Lord. And his own, never mind, Australia, Australian tour, 1992, laminated personal backstage pass. They'll all, all be on display, so Nirvana fans, Unite. Pull your sleeves even further down. And maybe put your thumb in the hole through the sleeve. And remind me of the early 90s. Next stop, Alanis Morissette. Nice uh, nice of the Russians to tell us how they will uh, let off their nuclear devices off Donegal. This is, uh, that's a text relating to Russian television, um, as it's covered in a lot of the papers yesterday and today, saying that in the event of nuclear situation, watch Ireland. Gone. Um, I don't like talk of nuclear <laughs> activity at all. It freaks me out. And uh, when I see when you see that story, you can look it up. Um, it it's, it it wouldn't put you in great form <laughs> for the day. That's the truth. And uh, let's see, Ryan. You forgot to mention this day twenty five years ago. The one and only Mr. Ken Doherty, still Ireland's only world snooker champion, uh, did what he had to do, and that's from John Mallon and Navin. Yeah, lots of lots of coverage of snooker in the papers today for Ronnie O'Sullivan. And uh, he's a happy man. I live near Katie Taylor in Bray. Not only is she humble and genuine, she's incredibly beautiful, stunning brown eyes. You would forget she could possibly, she could probably break your arm with her thumb. It's a bizarrely aggressive uh, thought that's kind of matched by a kind of compliment as well. It's covering many emotions there in approximately 30 words. Good on you though. 51551. 
You, know, you say hello to we say well done to Ronnie O'Sullivan. That's funny, I just did. Uh, equal Stephen Henry's seven-time world champion record. Judd Trump did just not make it easy. Uh, the semi was Mark Williams and Trump was one of the best I saw it in years. When I was when I was younger, back in the 1840, the snooker was a big thing. It was on TV all the time. I could tell you all their names. Willie Thorne, Ray Reardon, obviously Alex Higgins and Dennis Taylor and Steve Davis. We knew them all. They were like they were like rock stars, actually. Sheffield, the Crucible, um, evenings in watching snooker. Uh, and and uh, I don't know why, where it drifted to, but it's still a thing, obviously. But for some reason, it didn't, uh, doesn't appear as large in my life as it used to when I was a kid. Fast walkers. I'll raise my hand here. I'll raise my hand here. Anyone who's ever walked with me along a corridor, along a street, even you know, in, in a, in, in the, on the pier in Dunleary, whatever, anyone who's happened to have had the painful experience of walking with me will always be, by, within five minutes or so, out of breath, wanting to sit down, um, kind of asking my, my shoulder or my back, why are you walking so fast? And just exhausted by the experience. And that's just before I've even uttered a word. And it's because I think it might be genetic, but we, my species, Tabridius calericus familius, we walk fast, really fast. All generations, parents, my gang, the next generation walk fast. And we compare notes regularly going, our, you know, the youngsters will say, you know, our friends always go, why do you walk so fast? And I say, look, you can blame me. Throw me under the bus. If the bus can even catch me, I'll be gone. I'll be well ahead of the bus. I'm, I'm going. I'm going. You can actually. There was a, car, a cartoon character when I was a kid called Billy Whiz. That's was like, Phew! I'm walking. I'm thinking. I'm talking fast, fast, fast. Always moving. And people, why are you walking so fast? I said, it's a genetic thing. I can't. I can't help it. Fast walkers may live longer than dawdlers. Oh, yes, now, now you have my complete attention. Go on. Um, it's regardless of their weight it's a new study and they analysed loads of people they found that women who walked briskly had a life expectancy of uh, 86 and a half years old and men uh, could make it to 85 uh, and a half years old uh, slow walkers had much bleaker prospects uh, that, oh, wow much bleaker that brings women down to 72 years and men uh, 64 years so start walking um, start walking nice and quickly because it'll do a job I I like it. Um, I like walking fast. And my only problem is with the being walking fast. I cannot be behind somebody walking slowly. I get, uh, get, get an ulcer. I start to sweat. I the panic. It feels claustrophobic. I can't be in a car where somebody's walking. It, I can't. Dawdlers drive me around the twist. Yeah, I probably got more of an insight into <laughs> my psychosis there than you're expecting this morning. I think Katie is a wonderful young woman, but I have mixed emotions about boxing looking at her swollen and bloody face. It was horrific, and this is sports, says a text to 51551. Well, this is uh, the professional side of the sport, I suppose. Before, when it was uh, Olympic, it was probably a little easier to, to watch in some respects, but this is her chosen field, and um, she is a champion within that field. Um, Ryan, a member, as a member of the Safra banking family recently bought uh, Ross Dohan Island in Sneem Harbour, for two million, this is in addition to Garnish Island, which I love, and Sharky Island, uh, which he bought a number of years ago. He now owns most of the Inner Sneem Harbour as well as Parknasilla Hotel and another three hundred and fifty acres. James and Kerry, who is this person? Let us find out. Um, and he's snapping them all up. 
But uh, Garnish Island just reminded me how much how, how beautiful Garnish Island is. And um, if anyone is near, even near it, go to it. You take the little boat across and you see lovely nature and then you go on itself. And it's actually very magical, to be honest with you. Jackie Safra, a member of the billionaire Swiss-Lebanese banking family who financed a string of Woody Allen movies in the 1990s and owns the Parknasilla Hotel in Kenmare, has staked a fresh claim in the kingdom with the acquisition of a private garden island off Sneem in Kenmare Bay. Jackie Safra is what you want to do. Swiss-Lebanese banking family. All right. Fast walkers live longer because dangerous animals will catch the slow walkers first. <laughs> Explains everything. I'm mostly just trying to... Yeah, just keep moving. Trevor Noah, who was on here recently, was he not, with uh, Oliver? And um, he was at the, they, they, you know, they do the roast where they haven't done it for years because Trump was just sulking and he didn't want to know about it. But the, the journos uh, stand up and take the mickey out of the president and he does it a bit. Actually, Joe Biden, President Biden had quite a good uh, go off them as well at this, at this dinner last night. I'm really excited to be here tonight with the only group of Americans with a lower approval rating than I have. That's hard to say after what we just saw. This is the first time the president attended this dinner in six years. It's understandable. We had a horrible plague, followed by two years of COVID. <laughs> That's good. That's a good line. It's a good line for a Democrat, now, in fairness to him. And that is funny. And uh, then you had Trevor Noah, and he was kind of passing comment on the fact that, uh, remember recently when uh, President Obama, former, uh, arrived at the White House and kind of took all the oxygen out of the room, even President Biden's attention, and it was a bit tricky, but uh, Trevor Noah picking up on that. Well, Mr. President, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me here. You know, I was a little confused about why me, but then I was told that you get your highest approval ratings when a biracial African guy is standing next to you, so... Uh, <laughs> Uh, so what I'll just say, uh, Joe, uh, I'm glad that I could uh, do my part. And uh, hopefully this will work. I'm not actually him, I just did the voice. It is very good, Obama, doesn't he, Trevor Noah? That was good. Anyway, that was from the, uh, the, the, the presidential roast. And they were always a bit of fun. Do you ever played a bit of uh, Richard Clayderman last week? If, you just, if you'd missed it, I had just pointed out that there was an ad on the radio for Richard Clayderman. Or not on the radio, rather, in the, in the newspaper. And I was getting into full nostalgia mode about it. And so then, then you all came along with me for the ride and we had a good laugh about it. And um, we got a huge, huge response to it just in passing. But Anya in Galway says, after nearly 40 years away from piano playing, I came back to it as my life took an unplanned turn and it has given me great sustenance and pleasure in expression. When I opened the piano stool after all these years, the first piece of music looking at me was, of course, Richard Claydon's piece that we played, uh, Ballade pour Adeline. I uh, can't say my effort sounds anything like Claydemans, but I'm putting it down to lack of backing strings. That's right, Anya. That's all it is. You played it fine. Uh, it's a lack of backing strings. Here's another one. Uh, so many times I'm taken back by your ability to contextualise my inner thoughts and fears and vulnerabilities. To explain, I have a niggle. I had not put it into clear thoughts or words, and then you vocalise them so clearly and aptly, and I'm blown away. To what do you refer? I have often thought I should really find a way of providing feedback. I had compartmentalised my happy early songs into early Donny, Dos uh, Donny Osmond, Bay City Rollers and ABBA. Filing cabinet, 
closed. Then you played Ballade pour Adeline. My beloved sister Adele and I were on exchange in Paris when we discovered this song and we carried this record home like it was gold and it was played with reverence and was stored in the sleeve and the original plastic bag for years. It was our first awakening. And with your prompt, I listened to it with tears flowing down my face. Yes, prawn, cocktail, gooseberry, tart, freshly caught salmon from the river Blackwater and so much more. At that instant, I'm forced to realise what a wonderful childhood and teenagehood we had. So thank you. And that is from Linda, who went straight down memory lane and enjoyed every bit of it. Uh, Maeve was on, I inherited a great gait from my father and a love of walking from my beloved mother. Combined with loud music, it makes my walk an extremely enjoyable hour of my day. Just powering through, and why wouldn't you? So this piece, uh, very quickly, um, by Lizzo. Bring it play for us. For Jeff So that scary piece of music, says uh, Anne, happens to be the opening bars uh, to one of the most famous pieces of music uh, in the classical genre. Prelude to l'après-midi d'une fronde is a famous symphonic poem by Debussy, um, inspired by the poem of the, of the same by Moulin. And the poem is an icon of the symbolist movement. Good Lord. In French literature, Debussy's work is regarded by many as a turning point in the history of European art music. Have a nice day. Listen to the entire place. Or better still, play it for us all. Well, I won't play the 11 minutes and 24 seconds of it all, but um, somebody else has just been on to say uh, the flute piece Lizzo was playing is one of the most famous orchestral solos for the flute called Prelude to an Afternoon of a Fawn. You're giving me the English translation, thank you, by Debussy. Appears in every flute audition the world over. So last week... We were stuck into the world of Richard Claderman's Ballad Poor Adeline. And here we are now, just by chance, thanks to Lizzo, we're talking about uh, this um, piece of music, the flute and the fawn, and how it's obviously used all the time for auditions for flute players around the world. Okay, well, thank you for that. Um, I'll play a bit of it because it'll probably sound lovely, but not the, the whole thing, because it's just, it's 10 minutes. So we'll, we'll play that for you a little later on. Okay, um, one last thing. Who, this guy passed away, uh, Rick Parnell, who played the drummer Mick Shrimpton in This Is Spinal Tap, which is a film that is uh, adored and beloved by a lot of people of a certain vintage. He died, unfortunately, at the weekend. He was 70, and he was born in London in 1951. The son of the jazz drummer, Jack Parnell, longtime leader of the band on The Muppet Show. Wow. Parnell played in bands including Horse, Atomic Rooster, Nova and Stars. And he also played drums on the 1981 hit by Tony Basil called Hey Mickey. Shall we do it? Let's. Hey Mickey at 9.30 Eileen Hanley was on By by email I should say Uh, Thank you for introducing me to Such a wonderful series of books You're talking about Louise Penny Who I mentioned a few times 
And the way it is is that she introduces you to this little village called Three Pines in Canada and this great detective, Armand Gamache. And if you like the first one, you've got about 17 of them ahead of you. So this is, this is what happened here with Eileen. She was, I was heading to Spain for 10 days at Easter and heard you briefly talking about them and I've been, uh, and haven't been thanked by a listener. Luckily, I heard this and despite putting all my eggs in one basket, downloaded the first three books. Unfortunately, my trusty Kindle doesn't have internet. Anyway, I wasn't disappointed. I'm ploughing through the rest of the series since returning home. And I feel like I've made a whole new set of friends. So thank you again. And I'll always be grateful when that I heard you speaking about them. And um, Eileen, you're welcome. I love sharing good book recommendations and everything else. You might have watched the Shackleton documentary last night too. We spoke to Ernest Shackleton's granddaughter, Alexandra, on the programme here only last week. And that uh, documentary went out last night. Lovely, lovely documentary that was. I also found myself watching one on a very different subject matter, which is about a Russian opposition leader, as he was for a little while before Putin had um, uh, did what he did with them. I won't tell you if you don't know, because it's worth watching in a documentary called Navalny, about Alexei Navalny. Uh, you'll find that in some class of... Uh, you remember you used to go and rent a video from a video shop? Well, now you have to find it digitally to rent. That's what I do. Um, and uh, Navalny is well worth a look. It's an hour and a half, perfectly formed, amazing story, desperately sad, but well put together program um, and uh, highly recommended. All right, um, let's uh, bring Amanda Bone into studio and introduce her to you after this. The Ryan Tuberty Show on RTE Radio 1. Um, yeah, and, and unfortunately we didn't get to discuss glasses uh, because Amanda's spectacular pair of glasses and we were comparing those there in the, in the minute that we had to do so. But we'll get her in again because that was a lot of fun. Um, and like I say, or I... A-I-dot-A, sorry, I had to find that there. Let's see now on fast walking. <laughs> and indeed, the um, subject of the, the, the Debussy flute, the, the, the creepy flute. Okay, we'll talk about this tomorrow. It's great. That's uh, that's what Lizzo was playing on the on the um, catwalk or whatever the red carpet uh, the other evening at the Met. So let's do that tomorrow. But we got a break to take. Mm-hmm. 